Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bowman, back today with my friend Keely Henninger, her third appearance on the show. Of course, the pro trail runner, Trail Society co-host, and now the head coach for Free Trail. That's right. Yes, Keely's going to be the leader of Free Trail Experts, a new coaching marketplace that we are launching publicly today. Today's podcast is mostly about Keely and where she is in her career, especially after a big professional renaissance that she's been going through in the past 12 months. But we do spend the first 10 minutes chatting through the vision behind Free Trail Experts. We talk about this star-studded group of people that we've partnered with as our founding cohort of coaches. And we talk about how you can learn more if you are interested in more guidance in your trail running journey. What I will just quickly say here on the front end is that everything we do here at Free Trail, if it's not obvious, should be supportive of or value additive to our community. That's our goal with everything. We have a lot of people who come to us for our currently limited training resources. And we've had many people in our community specifically ask us to offer a coaching product. So we feel a responsibility to listen to those requests and to hopefully accommodate them. So that's what we're trying to do here. Similarly, we thought that offering this type of formal coaching service might bring more people into the free trail orbit, get more people connected with the free trail community, which is amazingly vibrant and supportive and fun more than anything else. So one of the things that's special about our coaching product is the community integration. If you use a free trail coach, you also become a member of the Free Trail Pro community and have access to all the perks inherent in that membership. The Free Trail Slack channel, which just blew past 500 active members, access to our member-only Zoom calls, which we do every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. You get access to our member-only podcast, Rest Day, which we do every Monday, discounts with our brand partners, and... Most importantly, probably, is just a network of friends and fellow trail runners from around the world. You're going to hear more in today's episode, so I'll let Keely explain. But if you're interested in learning more about free trail experts or want to get connected with a coach, there is a link in the show notes. Of course, before we get to it, a quick but huge thank you to Speedland for being the biggest supporter of all things free trail, the premium trail equipment brand exists to enhance your experience doing what we love most, ripping miles in beautiful places on natural surfaces. Speedland is for trail people like you and me. That's why we're so proud to partner with them and have their support in everything that we do. Go pick up my signature shoe, the GS Tam at runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your order. Again, FREETRAIL Pro members get a deeper discount. If you use a FREETRAIL coach, you get access to that discount. But even if you're not a member, I'd highly recommend this shoe. I've been trying to find something I don't like about it for months, something to complain about to Dave and Kevin, but I honestly can't. It's the perfect product for me and the type of running that I like to do, and I know that you will love it too. Runspeedland.com, use code FREETRAIL10. Okay, enjoy this episode with Keely. Again, the first 10 minutes we talk about free trail experts, then we dive into her running, her professional career, getting ready for med school, training for Black Canyon, trail society, and a lot more. Super grateful to have Keely involved with everything we do, and I trust you'll gain something valuable from her perspective. See you in the outro. Keely Henninger, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Dylan. I feel like I'm a reoccurring guest now. Yes. Well, I mean, you were on after you won the Gorge Waterfalls 50K last year, but it's been probably close to two years or more since we had a more formal long form discussion. So welcome back to the podcast. And today we're going to do that again. We'll do uh, some announcing. We have got some fun stuff that we're rolling out here at Free Trail that you have been spearheading behind the scenes and that you are going to be leading going forward. But also we're going to talk a lot about you and your career. Um, but maybe we'll, we should start with 
the sort of announcement that we're going to make. Does that sound good with you? It sounds great. Okay. So this new sort of extension of the free trail business is called free trail experts. Can you just maybe start by providing a general description of what it is to the audience before we dive into some of the details? Totally. Yeah. So the free trail experts is going to be a group of really skilled practitioners and coaches who have vast experience working with both trail and ultra runners in the fields of performance, coaching, strength, training, injury, prevention, nutrition, and mental well-being. Um, and we kind of put this together because the free trail family is filled with athletes of all abilities and all, a lot of different goals. So we wanted to bring a group of experts with a lot of diverse backgrounds to help conquer all of these unique training goals and bring in a new unique perspective of, of a community that not only works on, you know, enhancing the performance of the athlete from a conditioning perspective, but also from a nutrition perspective and a mental health perspective and makes this community that's very cohesive and allows for our athletes to actually really optimize their potential in all avenues of trail running. Because, you know, you and I know that it's not just about the running. Sometimes there's a lot of other avenues that go into becoming the best version of yourself on the trail and off the trail. And so I'm really excited to bring together this group of experts to really bring that to the community. Yeah. And I think just to provide some of the deeper context, I think it was a year and a half ago or so that we surveyed the free trail community to gauge interest in if we launched sort of a coaching marketplace or a coaching service, if our community would be interested in it. And the overwhelming consensus was, yes, they would be interested as long as we recruited a very high quality group of experts and practitioners who we've personally vetted and trusted. And we've done so. It's taken a little while, but we've landed on an amazing cohort of founding experts for this launch. Do you maybe just want to take through those individuals very briefly just to provide their names and what their specialty is? Totally. Yeah. So from a performance coaching lens, we're bringing on three other ladies, um, MK Sullivan, who, if people don't know her, she's an up and coming, amazing athlete. She recently won way too cool and the marathon de Mont Blanc. She was top 10 this year. Um, but she also for the past three years until recently coached at division one college for university of Nevada. Um, and she also has a lot of certifications in the realm of track and field running and just endurance coaching in general. And it's just a wealth of knowledge in terms of coaching. Um, we're also bringing on Hannah Allgood, who's no stranger to the pod or to the free trail fam. Um, and for those of you who don't know Hannah, she won Gorge Waterfalls 100K last year and San Juan Solstice. So she's a phenomenal trail runner, again, new to the scene, but just came and grabbed it by the horns. Um, but she is a doctor of physical therapy who specializes in returning to run and running strength training. That's like really good to optimize performance on and off the trails. Um, and she also is in the pursuit of a running certification as well and has dabbled a lot in coaching as well. So we're really excited to bring her on as a coach and strength training coach. Um, and then last but not least, again, no, no stranger to the free trail fram is Danielle Snyder. Um, she'll be coming on as both a running performance coach and a mental health coach. Um, and she has so many accolades to her name in the realm of crazy endurance things. She held the PCT uh, Oregon FKT for a while. She's done so many crazy things. Um, and she also is just very well versed in the realm of mental well-being and how to optimize your mental health for endurance athletics. And she's worked with so many professional Olympic caliber athletes. Um, so it's really cool to have her on board as well. <clears throat> so those then, are our, those are our run coaches. And two of them, <laughs> yeah. two of them, sort of also span different sort of specialties in mental performance in Danielle's mm -hmm. case and also in Hannah's case being sort of an injury prevention slash strength training coach. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll kind of be overseeing all of them. So we're going to have like weekly, you know, coaching or monthly week, monthly to weekly coaching calls, kind of discussing the latest trends in coaching um, and just discussing training in general. Cause there's always going to be those athletes that you, that are a little bit of a unique case and you're going to want to run your ideas around all the other coaches. Um, and hopefully all my experience with coaching and performance and development and all my um, experimental knowledge will help drive some of those discussions as well. Um, but some of the things that I don't know about um, are nutrition. And we brought on two really stellar dietitians and one nutritionist to really tackle this for the family as well. So we're bringing on Dr. Kelly Pritchett, 
who is a PhD um, professor and director of kinesiology and nutrition at Central Washington University. And I've actually been doing research with her for the past year, looking into the fueling practices of trail and ultra runners and how it relates to things like low energy availability and eating disorders and all of that. And we really hope to take that knowledge in order to, you know, inform some of the dietary practices of trail and ultra runners. So they actually start to reach their potential. Um, so needless to say, she has a ton of experience. She has a lot of publications in this realm and is really, really well-versed on, you know, nutritional interventions for the endurance athlete. Um, and then we're also bringing on Wilfredo Benitez, who is also a friend of Dylan and a friend of the pod and a local to Portland, um, who has a different, even different lens to nutrition. So again, another perspective, which is really unique. Um, he comes from a holistic medicine background where he took, he got his master's in nutrition from a Portland holistic medicine school. I mean, so he really likes to view the athlete as a whole and try to figure out lifestyle changes and nutritional changes that can really optimize them as both a, a human and as an athlete. And so I love his, his philosophy here. And I think he'll be a great addition to the team as well. Last but not least, Mr. Matt Walsh. <laughs> and then last but not least, we have Matt Walsh. who's again, no stranger to the pod, but, um, you know, his list of accolades speak for him themselves, but he's been a physical therapist for over 30 years now, has worked with, you know, countless professional running teams, and most recently has taken an interest into trail running as of like three years ago, you know, helping you with your ankle, helping me with my ankles, now leads our local trail running group for the past year and a half, doing a lot of strength training with us and rehabilitation stuff with us. Um, and is just a wealth of knowledge. And he'll be on board to, you know, talk you through any sort of niggles you might have just kind of as an injury consultation. Um, but also he'll be on to provide a trail running specific strength training program that can go alongside your, your run program or your nutrition program um, so that you can become that well-rounded athlete and really, you know, get away from being injured on the trail and be your strongest running self. So again, just to provide the macro context of this, as Keely and I were talking about the individuals who we wanted to enlist in this founding group of free trail experts, we knew we wanted to have traditional one-on-one -on -one run coaching, but we also wanted to have different specialists with different areas of expertise like Kelly Pritchett, like Wilfredo, like Matt Walsh. And so I think with the group that we've assembled, we have people who can help you not only with becoming a better, faster, stronger trail runner, but to also help you with your nutrition and your strength training as well. Keely, maybe quickly before we move off this, just tell people where they can learn a little bit more about the free trail experts. Yeah. So you can go to freetrial.com and you can click on the experts tab and then you'll see not only all of the experts listed there where you could click into their unique profiles, but you can also then tap into the different programs we'll, we'll have available for you all um, and get to know them all a little better. They've all recorded a personalized video for you to get to know them a little bit better too. Um, and all you have to do is then submit a request um, and submit basically with some basic information about yourself and then we'll kind of filter through it and get you on the phone with one of our lovely coaches. Amazing. Well, Keely, thank you for all the work that you've done to bring this to life and uh, appreciate you giving a quick introduction to the free trail podcast audience. And now we can start talking more about you. And I figured a good Great. place to start would be to just do a little bit of professional reflection. I think it's been about a year since you left your job at Nike and went all in on your life as a professional athlete. Of course, you do a lot of work with Free Trail, with Trail Society. And I, as I understand it, you're also doing a lot of academic work. But uh, maybe first, before we get into some of the stuff that you're working on now, is there anything that you've learned from taking this leap of faith about a year ago? Mm, yeah, I think I've learned you know, there's like two big buckets of learning. One is like that all of the, you know, flexibility that comes with leaving a nine to five, that's kind of restraining of your time is that all the extra time you do have or can make time for recovery does help. Like I have seen huge improvements in my own fitness over the past year. Um, and so I think seeing that is really, really cool. Um, but on the flip side of that coin is that even if you don't have a nine to five, you can say yes to like way too many things and basically still have a nine to five. It's just hours are not, you're just working just as much, just kind of scattered throughout the day. And so, you know, while you're still able to maybe make a little more time for running, um, it's not necessarily 
as much of a full-time running as, as you might think. And so I think I tell people full-time running, but then I have to chuckle to myself because when I add up everything else I do, I'm like, is it full-time running? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But has there any, has there been anything that's been different or harder than you expected or has your mindset or attitude towards running changed without the safety net of the nine to five? For sure. Yeah. I think going all in on something is really scary. And I think a lot of us don't go all in on something because we're afraid that, you know, you invest your entire being into something and it doesn't go right, that that could be catastrophic. And, you know, I had a little glimpse of that this summer because I went all in for Western States and I trained like crazy and I felt the fittest I've ever felt going into a race ever. And I felt the calmest as well, but you know, something happened during the race that made me not be able to finish and had to sit out of running this thing that was now full time for two months. Um, that just so happened to be even time when I wasn't in school because it was summer term. Um, and so, you know, you're sitting with your thoughts for two months in a place that you normally get to be outside and experience with all your friends. Um, you're unable to do anything. And it, and it was a reminder that even though I am going all in and running, I can't let that be my sole identity. And so, you know, when you're not, when you're, when you're injured and you're not able to run, but you have a nine to five, you can kind of invest yourself in the nine to five. You have the community there. You have other things to distract you when you're injured and you don't have that. uh, It's a really big test because you start to just overthink everything and, and you kind of question your identity and question the confidence in yourself. Yeah. So it was a big journey. We'll talk more about that injury and the process of getting through it. But you just said that it's scary to go go all in on something. Can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> the fears maybe that you confronted during oh this process gosh. of going all in? Yeah. I mean, I think that I've had this fear my entire life. I think going all in on something is really scary because there's this, there's this small percentage that you could fail and then you feel like a failure because it didn't go right. But my counter to that for a long time is what I was battling was that, okay, I'm not going all in, but I'm also only going 80% in. And so you're never actually reaching your potential. So, you know, in a different frame of mind, is that failing because you're unwilling to go all the way in? And so I kind of reframed it that way as like, you know what, if I do want to go all in, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to give myself this like finite amount of time. And I'm going to go all in and be okay with the outcome because maybe I find out that going all in didn't really change anything for me. My performance had plateaued with a nine to five because I need that balance or that's where my fitness lies. Um, But at least I would know. And it wouldn't be like, oh, you know what? I feel like I could win those races, but I just never gave myself the time because I was too stubborn and I was working these other jobs that I was also giving 90% to. Um, And so with this new reframing, I was kind of like, okay, I'm able to go all in. It is scary because I could fail, but at least then I know. And then it's like the same with all my future endeavors as well. Like finally deciding to go back to medical school, something that's very daunting to me and reminds me of my undergrad and all those crazy stress. It's, it's now really exciting because I'm like, okay, I can go all in and like, if I fail, I fail, but if not, like I'm going all in and that's really, really exciting as well. Now, skipping ahead to this medical school discussion and the fact that you're (laughs) studying for the MCAT though, is that a reflection of you maybe keeping one foot in the realm of safety. I don't know if you've ever contemplated Mm. this or if, because I don't know, I I feel that I totally hear you on like the importance of, of going all in, but also Mm -hmm. like you, I mean, obviously you're the type of person who is a high achieving individual. Who's not just going to be training twice a day and posting on Instagram and having that be your life. But have you, have you meditated Mm -hmm. on that at all about like, what you gave up with your career at Nike mm-hmm. and how you're allocating that time and energy now, like, are you, you feel like you're more aligned with the person that you want to be and with the career that you want to have, or are you still sort of keeping one foot in the realm of safety? Oh, I love that question. It's very unsettling, but I would say, you know, old Keely. So like rewind seven years ago, probably was still holding on to a safety net. I think I've just got to a point where, Again, if I don't, if I didn't say yes to everything and I just was studying for the MCAT running, that feels really achievable. I, I like to overachieve. So I put a lot more on my plate, but I'd say one of the biggest factors of me leaving my job, there were two huge factors. One running, I knew I wanted to pursue running full-time and two, 
the acknowledgement that corporate science and being a corporate researcher was not what I wanted to do. And that my dreams of going to medical school from when I was like 14 or 15 were still there and they were getting stronger as I got further and further into my research career and acknowledging that, you know, I could find a contract that allowed me to run full time, but also pursue my bigger dream of going back to medical school without having to work full time, study for the MCAT, run like that's just that's not work. It's literally not possible. So it's almost like you're going <laughs> so, all in on two separate things. Both your dreams except, of being a pro athlete and opening up the time and energy to really achieve yeah. your potential there, but also the long term dream of Keely as a young girl of going to medical school. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because I think I knew that I could have this three year span of of only having to study and, and apply. And to me, that felt like enough, or, or I guess like not enough stuff to make me not be able to run to my potential. Yeah. But it was like enough to be able to invest, you know, a decent amount of time to be able to put together a really good application, yeah. but also still have a lot of really good time to put it into training. Um, because, you know, even though I do say yes to a lot of things, I still have a lot more free time than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked. It was meant to be sort of like a devil's advocate thing. Yeah, I bet. It was a good question. That, that's interesting. There was a video that our mutual friend, Ryan Thrower, made before Western States that just was a sort of personal piece about you, just a couple of minutes. But in it, your partner, JT Livingston, said something <laughs> to the effect of Keeley's just a high drive individual. And we're sort of glancing on this subject now. Is that something that's always been in your nature? It's something that I've observed too. Have you always had this high achieving streak to you? <laughs> um, if you ask my therapist, she would say yes. <laughs> Um, but you asked me, I'd also say yes. Um, I mean, for sure. It was, it was born into me at a very small age. My parents held me to the highest standards you could hold a child to. And, um, while, you know, I don't know if that was necessarily the best thing in all those regards or how I internalized it was the best thing. I do think it like kept me on my high driving track. And, um, I'm always thinking about like, you know, what, what else I can do, which, have tried to learn to table a little bit and be able to have a lot more time to, to become, you know, to perfect something like running or to perfect something like the MCAT and not be, you know, having 40% of my whole body into 10 different things and being mm -hmm. like, Oh, I can do all of these things. It's just, you're not going to do them as well as you want to, but yeah, I've always been very high driving. Have you struggled with the, like the perfectionist tendencies? <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last, if you want a really good recent example, that's a little bit embarrassing. Um, I went into my biochemistry final and I think I needed like a 70 to get an A in the class and I got a 100. And if I wouldn't have got a 100, I would have been really mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this is a, a perfect opportunity to talk more about your academic life. You said in a text exchange the other day that you're basically studying five hours a day. So maybe be a little bit more specific about what your long-term goals are with this education. Yeah. So uh, for the last year, I took one class a semester. So super easy course load, just getting ready for the MCAT. And now I'm taking the MCAT in the middle of March. So um, basically just cut out a nine week, 10 week, almost training program, right? Um, for studying for the MCAT. And so that requires like four ish days a week, maybe five, click getting closer to the test of between five and eight hours of studying, again, starting with five as I'm further away and kind of building up a little bit as I get closer, um, strategically building up the most post Black Canyon so that right now I'm doing a reasonable amount. And then post Black Canyons, hopefully after I get a golden ticket, I can just study for a month, recover, take the MCAT, and then hit the ground running ready for Western States. <laughs> because after the MCAT, basically, um, if all goes well, I'll apply in June for the for medical school. And then basically we'll just have to do interviews once that application goes through, um, but then won't have school for over a year. So we'll have the rest of that whole year free. Is this something that like really lights you up? Because it feels like it is. <laughs> I'd love to hear you talk about just like the joy of learning, if that's something you want to oh reflect on. Yeah, sure. I mean, I love learning, but I... I think it's also, I love learning in my own environment. And once I like turned 30, 
Because I think when you're in undergrad, you you maybe grew up being really smart and liking learning, but then you go into undergrad and you're told all these mixed messages of like, if you want to go to med school, you got to do this and do this research and take this job and take this many credits. And and I think you slowly lose your joy of learning because it's like, it's a, it's a mode of survival. You're like, I can't actually learn all this stuff. I need to memorize and then, you know, white knuckle my way through final exams so that I get these grades that then can get me to medical school. And I think you forget the joy. Um, taking classes now with this balance and, you know, my ability to go to sleep at a normal time and to not go out partying with my friends, you can learn so deeply. And it's really fun to go back on that learning journey and to actually, you know, build the confidence in your ability to learn and also just to really, really enjoy it and to understand it in a way that you never knew was possible because you were just kind of, you know, staying afloat when you could. Yeah. I so identify with this and I was never an academic person. I never found joy in learning in a school context, but the last like two years I've learned more than the entirety of my academic life, (laughs) you know, combined just by Mm -hmm. sort of like reading and learning about what it takes to sort of like build a, a company from scratch. And now I just like feel so much joy and satisfaction just in the process of like, learning how other people have done it. And so that's sort of what the origination of that question was. Do you understand at this point, or do you have an idea of how you might apply this education? Like in the eventuality that you get whatever medical degree that you're targeting, do you know how you want to, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) I do. Well, at least I have an idea of what I, what I want to do. But um, when I was a scientist for Nike, I got the opportunity to study um, female hormones in athletes, specifically runners, for the last two years of my career there and look at things like injury risk and longitudinal running performance. And I also just had a really, a lot of in-depth conversations with women about their hormones and about their menstrual cycle and about menopause and all of these things. And, And I've just realized that the field is so new. There's a lot of things that aren't known in it and that, you know, the female sex hormones have a big impact in a lot of different Um, bodily processes. And I think there's a lot of unknowns of how we can implement and opportunize these hormones so that women's can live a better life and that we can look at all the disease elements and all these things. And so, you know, obviously it's going to be a big learning curve and lots of things I need to learn along the way, but I would love to go into women's health and really look into endocrinology and how hormones impact a lot of things. Um, and also have a lens into not only athletes, because obviously I would love to live, work with athletes, but also just the general female population and see how they kind of overlap and see how they're different. Um, so, yeah, I really look up to Dr. Emily Krauss and the team at Stanford who are doing a lot in women's health, as well as the Women's um, Health Initiative at, at Harvard. There's a lot of really good, solid research physician col- collaborations going on right now to really better understand women. Um, and so that's kind of the the realm I want to go into. Fantastic. Well, thanks for entertaining me on that. And I think for our audience, mm-hmm. you got to catch the articles that free trial or that Keely writes for freetrial.com because they're always, I mean, in most cases, or at least the most recent ones, I guess are not specific to women's health, but at least are peripheral to it and mm-hmm. are always deeply researched and referenced uh with scientific literature so thank you to keep them a little bit funny though well i was gonna say thank you for (laughs) making those understandable to a caveman like me so appreciate it so let's uh let's talk more about your running it was like let's rewind back to western states 2022 there was a specific moment during race day where corinne and i nearly fell out fell out of our seats during the broadcast and that's when you and ruth and emily hoggood all came into the devil's thumb aid station together about halfway into the race and Mm -hmm. unfortunately something bad happened after that and we'll talk about that in a sec but I'm sure you've had a lot of time to reflect on the positives that you drew from that experience at Western States, your second running. What were some of those, like what were some of the positive takeaways of your performance that day? Yeah, great question. Um, It's really easy to forget about the positives when something like that happens. But I would say the biggest positive that I had looking back initially is my, my now confidence in my ability to run that race, how I know I can, because I've never ran as 
close to plan as I did that day where I was running paces true to myself. I would stop and do everything I needed to with my crew. I wasn't fighting my crew. I wasn't forgetting to eat. I wasn't forgetting to hydrate. I wasn't, you know, running paces that were, were not something I could handle. And so I'd say like the biggest thing was just understanding that I could actually execute at least to 55 miles, a race that I really wanted to execute. Um, and to be honest, I've never really held my goals that strong for that long of a time before. I feel like I've always kind of like gone back and forth a lot during a race. Um, and you know, the year before at Western States, totally kind of just the wheels fell off and I stopped, you know, doing everything correctly and was kind of just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to trust anybody, my crew. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so that would probably be number one. And then number two is trusting my crew. Um, and that part is so important because again, at mile, you know, 80, you're not to be trusted. What you say does not matter, but you need to trust your crew. And I think I had a little bit of an ego the year before of like, oh, I've done this stuff before hundred miles is not that much further. I'm going to know better. I don't need to eat. I'm fine, whatever. But actually your crew knows best at that point. They just want to see you succeed. And so you need to kind of swallow your pride and listen to them. And that's kind of how I found myself during the race of like, my crew is my my alliance, it's my partner. They're going to really try to get me to go forward. So like whatever they say, I need to listen to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you made a point of saying earlier in our conversation that going into Western States in 2022, it was not only the fittest you'd ever felt, but also the calmest you've ever felt. Mm -hmm. What do you think put you in that position? The, the calm definitely came from just hours and hours of running. Um, you know, you put so much time into training and doing a lot of time on the course and doing a lot of really long runs by yourself and a lot of really long, hard runs as workouts that when you got, when I got to the race, the actual thought of racing was really calming Yeah, because that's what I knew. That's all I've been doing for three months. So like took up so much of my time that that part felt really easy. Um, so entering the race, like I wasn't really nervous at all. The parts that got me nervous was kind of the hype hype before the race, maybe the day or two prior, but like the actual race day. And during those days, when I would think about the race itself, I felt really, really calm, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So you were actually excited for the challenge rather than dreading it. And I think it was evident as somebody who watched every second of the race, (laughs) because you built that momentum and eventually caught the early leaders, Ruth Croft and Emily Hoggood at a critical moment in the race. Can you take us into that moment? What was going through your head? Yeah. I mean, the whole time that I kept gaining on those two stellar runners, all I could think about was like, okay, should I slow down? Like, Mm. do I want to leave right now? The answer is kind of (laughs) no, but again, like my whole goal with the race was to run like really true to myself. And those, the speeds I was running to run close to them did not feel weird. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I caught them on that climb at that point, I'd come to terms with the fact that maybe I would start leading, but it was because I felt really, really good. And like, I wasn't having to exert myself to catch them. I just basically was like, okay, if I catch them and they leave the aid station before or after me, it is what it is. Um, but I still didn't catch them and was like, oh my gosh, I need to hammer it out of this aid station to put them in the rear view mirror because it was still only like mile 40 something. And so, you know, I got there at the aid station. I ended up leaving after them because I needed some water and to fill up some stuff and, you know, being calm allowed me to stay and do that. Mm. Um, and if I had felt like, a little bit out of touch with myself, catching the leaders would have probably resulted in me skipping that aid station. And, you know, long-term that would have resulted me in a, not a good scenario. So I think it was really cool to feel really excited that I caught them and really confident in myself at the same time, but also really, really calm to be okay with them leaving ahead of me and knowing that if I just kept doing what I was doing, I would catch them again. Yeah. Again, Corinne and I, you know, nearly lost our minds when we saw you come into the aid station because it wasn't clear how far behind them you were until the camera Mm -hmm. caught all three of you in the aid station at the same time. And to me, it felt like you were running a perfect race up until that basically halfway point at Devil's Thumb. It's about mile 47 for our listeners. But of course, it wasn't a perfect race after that, even though there are a lot of positive takeaways. Maybe just quickly remind the audience what happened after that. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, um, well, I actually, I twisted my ankle at mile 10. So up in that, the, the high altitude section with those rocks, um, not hard, but not easy, but it was like, you know, a twist that didn't go away right away. But, you know, as I'm running, I'm like, I think it'll be fine. It was just kind of a niggle. Um, and you get kind of caught up in the race and you, you don't think about it all the time, but you know, our ankles, not great ankles. Um, so it was definitely not a great twist, but anyways, getting into 47, you start more downhill, um, into that next Canyon and maybe at mile, like 52, getting really close to where you cross the bridge and go up and out towards, um, Michigan bluff, um, basically probably like less than a mile from the bottom. I twisted the same one again to the point where like, it knocked me over. Um, and at that point I was like, Oh, that is a bad one. Like that is not okay. And, you know, we twist our ankles a lot. I've, I've broken my other ankle before. I know what bad ankle sprains are. And this one felt a lot different than a normal ankle sprain. Um, like it was pulsing shearing pain, like through the medial part of my ankle, which like typically is not where you feel the pain. Um, and I was like, okay, it's fine. Like it's going to go away. So I like, you know, basically tiptoe my way down because the downhill was the hardest. And then I'm able to sort of jog the flat at first and then hike my way up out of that Canyon, which was just so demoralizing yeah. because that is my favorite Canyon. I was it is my say. favorite one to run. Like it is such a good one to run most of the the whole yeah. thing. Um, and you know, you you're having a good s- Western States when you're just hammering up that climb to Michigan block. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. So, you know, getting passed by some people on that was not great for the ego, but it was also like, I couldn't do anything about it. So I couldn't get that mad at myself because I just couldn't run. Yeah. Um, so I got out of there, saw Brian at the top. I'm like, yo, I popped my ankle bad. Yeah. And he's just like, well, you keep, you're still going. So just keep going. And I'm like, oh, I'll try. Yeah. Um, but I think like, I kind of accepted that I don't, I didn't think I was going to finish basically coming out of that Canyon because in my mind, if I could barely walk without the steering pain, yeah. I didn't see it getting better because, you know, at that point it had been 45 minutes to an hour since I had last when I sprained it. Yeah. Um, and I sprained my ankles enough to know when they're a sprain or a twist versus something worse. And yeah. that one was just getting worse and not getting better. Um, so I got, I got to the aid station, started crying and then was like, okay, well I'll see about getting it taped, see if that helps at all knowing like that it wasn't, but I, I just need, needed to do it. They twit, they taped it. They were both, um, both of the medical professionals there were so lovely, um, trying to get me to go. They were like, you're going to be able to finish. We don't think that there's anything that's that wrong again. Like they don't, we, they didn't do any images or anything like that. They're just trying to get the runners to get to their, their finish line. Cause yeah. that's most people's goal. Yeah. Um, but ultimately like tried to run on it a couple times, each time I'd get like 20 steps away and just like, have to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I ended up pulling the plug on the race, um, with a lot of tears, a lot more tears than I've probably ever cried in my can life. You, can I'm you not talk about, can you talk about that pain? Cause I've also dropped out at Michigan bluff myself at Western States and it mm. was one of the toughest, most painful moments in my career, but also yeah. a moment where the alternative didn't feel like an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any reflections about that I moment mean, where they cut your wristband? Um, you know, I thought I was going to be really, really upset when they cut my wristband, but because I had been contemplating the two answers for the last hour, I sat there for an hour before they cut it. So did I. (laughs) It felt a little better because in my mind, the only other option was to walk sort of to the finish. 45 miles Um, for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and walk is a gracious term, you know, it's like limp walk your way 45 miles. And I guess I just, I just knew that there's more to running than one race, like finishing one race. And if I were to go walk on that ankle for 45 miles, an ankle that I'd never felt that kind of pain before, like I knew that that would become even worse. And then I was like, well, what would that do to my running career? And so, you know, yeah. Looking back, the decision wasn't hundred percent easy, but because I couldn't run at all, it made it a little bit easier to be like, I'm not going to walk limp this thing in, yeah. even though, you know, that thought hadn't even crossed my mind an hour earlier. The The thought of not finishing wasn't even close yeah. to being at the forefront of my consciousness. I was like, this is going 
and great. I'm just running. Like this is just, we're going aid station to aid station. Didn't even think of finishing, didn't think of not finishing, but by no means did I think of like pulling the plug at, at 50, yeah. right. And we're 55. Um, so I think just the shock of that being an option all of a sudden was just like so overbearing. I think that's why it was so emotional because you go from having all these things under your control, all of these plans and backup plans and backup, backup plans. And then you have this thing happen. That's like not even close to your list. Yeah. You're like, wait, how is this like the, what's happening today? This is what's happening. I can't even go. I mean, I was heartbroken for you myself after yeah. running the perfect first half and catching up to the lead. We were like, oh no, Keely's got a head of steam. So, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, it's just one race, but it's Western yeah. States. And I think totally. you said earlier that you'd never been more locked in or dialed in on a particular mm -hmm. goal in your athletic career, which is kind of a big statement. Mm -hmm. Were there any moments of panic or self-doubt about going all in as an athlete at this point? Because mm -hmm. when you leave the security of your corporate job and go to what was certainly the highlight of your race calendar in 2022 and have it end mm -hmm. in complete disaster, it feels like that might be a moment of second guessing yourself. Did you experience that? Totally. I mean, for sure. I think, you know, after the race, especially not once I found out what actually happened, you know, you're diagnosed with a bunch of torn tendons, some, some bone issues, all of a sudden you're in a boot for two months. And the, the goal is to not get surgery or basically your career is over. I'm like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like maybe this is just the writing on the wall is like, maybe I'm not good enough. And maybe I'm also not resilient enough. My body can't handle this sport. Um, I've had that happen before my high school basketball career. I was going to play in college and that got destroyed by two shoulder surgeries that I needed. So it's like, mm. this is not an unfamiliar thing to me being like limited by your own body. And so having that happen again in such a like uncontrollable way felt very familiar and not comfortable, right? Wow. Because you're like, cool, I could put in all of this time and do every single thing right. But there's still like an element of, of lack of control of my own body, which is really unarming, right? Because yeah. you want to be able to control yourself. So semi-profound question here. Eventually you do the rehab, you're in a boot for <laughs> two months and we're skipping ahead. You're now back at the top of your game. It seems like feeling very fit. We'll talk about that in a sec, but back to the more deep contemplative mm -hmm. question here. Is there any specific thing that you learned about yourself during this particular injury process that is crystallized that you <laughs> may otherwise not have an understanding of if you <laughs> would have had the race of your dreams at Western States? Oh, 100%. Um, I, I'm sorry to every single person who came up to me at Western States and was like, it's okay, you're going to learn from this. Because I basically just <laughs> looked at them like, I've already learned enough. <laughs> but uh, no, they were spot on. Uh, you learn every, something every time. But I would say that this injury and a lot of experiences thereafter have re-solidified my need to listen to myself at the very, very deepest core. So, you know, a lot of reflection has gone into this going into Western States. I definitely felt like I was running within myself, but there was a tiny little thought I had at the top when I was running in that little more technical section that I wanted to tie my shoes, but I didn't. And I twisted it the first time. And then there was a little tiny thought that said, I think you should tie your shoes at the next aid station. And I didn't. And I continued on. And who knows if that would have changed anything. That's not really the point. You know, since then, I've also had times where I've gone out, maybe it's on a run and I'm, it's a double that I don't, it's not hundred percent needed. And I'm like, Oh, I should do it. And I'm like, but it's dark and maybe I'll like twist my ankle or something. And then you do, it's like, we have a lot of thoughts inside that we, we like to shut them up because we think they're weak or we think they're inconvenient. And it's actually a lot of them, I think have a lot of solid ground and we choose to ignore them. And so I've really just started to try to let myself listen to them, even though the ego in me doesn't want to listen to them. Yeah. It's tuning into our intuition. This was the biggest, my biggest thing from 2022 that also arrived <laughs> in therapy <laughs> and uh, something that I now focus on a lot, especially with the stuff that we do with free trail, because there's so many things where it's like you have to decide 
you have to make decisions, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like a coin flip, but it's really, that's your opportunity to, to tune into that deeper instinct and intuition. So mm-hmm. good. We good know learning. ourselves pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Best Day Brewing, the non-alcoholic option I will be reaching for during dry January and the rest of 2023. If you're like me, you love a cold beer with friends after a long run or after a hard day at work. And if you're also like me, you realize that alcohol, even in small quantities, takes a toll on your physical and psychological energy and that taking a break can help take your game to the next level. I am convinced that my six weeks off the booze before Hard Rock and 2021 was a big reason why I felt so good during that training block and so good on race day. And I just discovered Best Day Brewing while I was at my cousin's wedding in Sacramento. And it it has become my favorite non-alcoholic beer. And it is brewed for doers like you and me. Finally, a full flavor, full body, full aroma craft beer without the alcohol to slow us down. I know you guys are going to love this product. So I wanted to challenge you. The thousands of free trail listeners out there, join me for dry January, abstaining from alcohol for the first month of the year to start 2023 on the right foot together. I've been doing dry January for almost a decade and best day will be my go-to beverage after a hard training session when I'm out socializing or chilling at home with my wife, my favorite best day is the west coast ipa but they also make a kolsch and a hazy ipa which are equally delicious and refreshing check them out at bestdaybrewing.com use code dry20 for 20 percent off you can also use dry ship for free shipping and go follow them on instagram at bestdaybrewing america's next big beer company i am convinced Stay dry, stay happy with me this January. Tag me in your best day Instagram stories and I will be sure to reshare. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition, the first brand to ever believe in free trail. So if you are surprised and happy that we still exist, well, we are too. And much of that is thanks to Gnarly Nutrition. Gnarly has a ridiculously robust offering of products to power your training and recovery. And today I want to tell you about the Gnarly Protein Products to augment and improve your post-run routine and to help kickstart your recovery for the next training session. Gnarly Vegan and Gnarly Whey provide two high quality options for omnivorous and plant-based athletes alike. One of the great things I did in 2022 was start having a recovery shake after hard workouts and long runs, something that's nutrition 101 and certainly not rocket science, but even old dogs can learn new tricks, including myself. I started having a protein shake, mixing gnarly whey with almond milk immediately after hard training sessions and definitely noticed an improvement in my recovery. Combine that with the BCAAs before exercise exercise and you are living the high performance nutrition lifestyle. Check out Gnarly at gonarly.com. Use code freetrail15 for 15% off your order. Gonarly.com. Use code freetrail15. Back to the show. So where are you right now with your running? You don't need to give us the whole story of your rehab, but where are you now? Yeah, I think I'll just give a little story of where I am in, in a in context to the most recent run I did at Joshua tree, I think it will tie the story full circle. Um, so I decided to do the Joshua tree FKT traverse. It's a 38 mile point to point across the park. You have the men's FKT. Sure do. Um, Claire Gallagher had the women's FKT. Um, and I decided to go do it kind of last minute. Rachel Drake, my good friend had recommended it because I was going to Southern California for vacation. Um, and you know, leading up to it, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends, none of which are runners were staying out you know, I'm not, I don't have my normal breakfast. Don't have any sort of normal routine. Last minute, the day before I decided to go do it. I had been battling a little bit of a cough. Um, but going into the, into the run, I talked to my partner and he's just like, you just do it for yourself. Like, remember why you do it like at your core and just run for that. And I hadn't thought of running in that way for a really long time, but I think by thinking of it that way, it makes you listen to that little voice a little bit better. Um, And so, you know, the morning of the race or the run, we go to the start and my crew is supposed to be at mile 20 and mile 30. Um, 
and a pacer is supposed to be there mile 20 and I get to mile 20 and I'd been running so true to myself on all of the technical downhills. I just slowed down. I didn't try to push it at all. I was like, you know what? This is what feels comfortable to me with my ankle. I don't care if it's too slow. I'm going to do it because it's like so true to me. Um, I get to the aid station. My crew isn't there. My pacer's there with like a little teeny handheld of water. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to 30. Like (laughs) going to see if they're there. But again, I didn't let myself think of like anything negative. I was just thinking like, I'm still in this beautiful place. We still have some water. Like I'm okay. And I'm still really enjoying this. I just need to slow my pace a little bit because I don't know how much water we have or how long that will get me there and what will be at 30. Um, and getting the 30 crew still wasn't there. Um, you know, running around a little bit, looking for my crew, I still didn't feel panicky, which is just like so cool to think about because Mm -hmm. I was still just feeling really in tune with myself. Um, thinking like, okay, well, I might just have to stop here because I don't have any water and it's been 10 more miles plus these last eight that I haven't had water. Um, I'm in the middle of the most arid place in in, exactly in the desert. Um, but I stood there for a while, tried to call my crew Finally, this woman walks by and I'm just like, hey, do you happen to know if like there's any water? And she's like, oh, there's this jug that they use for through hikers. Like, let me fill one of your flasks. And so she filled my flask full and I was like, okay, I'm going to just keep going. I'll pull back the pace a little bit just to get to the finish so that I don't like bonk on the way there. Um, I had been siphoning some calories in the like rare instance that this happened. I still at least had one little package of Gucci's. Um, and I just got to the finish and I didn't have a low moment. I didn't have any crazy high moments. I just felt really in tune with myself and loved the whole experience because that run is also really, really beautiful. Um, so it was really fun. It was really cool, like full circle experience to be like, wow, I didn't have anything that went to plan. I didn't control anything, but all I did was like, think about what I was thinking internally and like controlled my own mind. And that was pretty cool. And sometimes the joy of just returning back to running maybe takes away some of those competitive pressures Mm -hmm. that you put on yourself and allows you to enjoy the process of just running the Joshua Tree Traverse independent of a a record. So good learning. And I'm glad to hear, glad to hear you're, you're sort of back on your game after a tough second half of 2022. I recall seeing you on the altar G a bunch of times when we went to go lift weights in Portland and now you're shredding the desert to pieces. Speaking of, uh, speaking of shredding the (laughs) desert to pieces, I know you're getting ready for the black Canyon hundred K. You mentioned that at the beginning. You're coached by our mutual friend, Tyler Green, Portland's finest. Can you reveal sort of what you guys have been working on in this lead up? I saw your most recent Instagram. You said you did about 95 miles in training last week, which feels like mm-hmm. big volume and probably yeah. you're sort of in the in the heart of the the biggest weeks right now. Can you give us a glimpse into what you guys are working on? Yeah. So we kind of spearheaded everything with that Joshua tree traverse because it's net downhill, similar to Black Canyons, how Black Canyon starts. Um, And then we've just been focusing on really long, hard, mixed, like basically long, hard efforts. And so he'll throw some workouts on my calendar that are like 18, 19 miles, but it's really just, it's like staying focused for that long. Um, in like that tempo zone on rolling terrain on downhill terrain and just getting comfortable, like staying focused for that long and pushing yourself for these longer distances. Um, and then we've also been really emphasizing running downhill strong just to get that quad strength for black canyons. Cause it is net downhill. Um, not that that's been going super well because the trails in Portland do not are not great for downhill right now. It's basically yeah, downhill time skiing because yeah. they're so muddy. <laughs> But, you know, I've been trying to run, I've been running a lot of vertical, so I think I'll still, I still getting enough on my legs. Um, and yeah, we've definitely been building volume since, um, the injury and I won't be at 95 miles every single week, but these last two weeks, um, this week and the last week were both around there. Um, and it feels really good. It's definitely a lot that still it reminds me that it's a lot of miles and you got to like up your injury or up your caloric intake and get more sleep and all that stuff. But it also feels really cool to be, to be back running that. And yeah, I feel pretty confident for black Canyon. Um, but I'm also really stoked to just be back out there and like run with some stellar women again and keep the pressure low and just, and just have fun and like, remember 
like why we do this. Yeah. I'd love to go deeper on what you just said about staying focused. Is that a prompt that Tyler gives you in your training to like stay focused for this workout? Cause if I think about him, I think one of his strengths is his ability to stay focused. Is that something mm-hmm. you guys actively talk about? Yeah, he definitely brings up different mantras for a lot of my training blocks. And so some of it is like just getting the like float on the trails. And that's like the theme for a while. And it's just like feeling more like in unison with the trail and getting used to just like floating. So whether that's your intervals or your tempo or hill workout, it's like still just like work with the trail, like float with the trail. A lot of that was used during Western States build because he wanted me to like roll with the downhills, kind of like the the marble to like not let the downhills beat you up. It's like roll with them. Yeah. And so for Black Canyon, it's like, I think it's a lot of focus on trail because it's like easy to let up focus. And then maybe you do twist an ankle or maybe you just like start running a speed that's not yours. And so this feels a lot more internal of like, stay focused, stay present in the moment of like, this is your interval that you're on. And then like, this is the next one. And it's like such a long, diverse workout that like you have to stay present the entire time. Hmm. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, I think uh, a perfect, I think, illustration of Tyler, the person too, and like giving <laughs> you those mantras in addition to mm-hmm. prescribing the training to add that emotional or psychological element to it also beyond just the physical X's and O's of the workout and the specifications of the intensities that you should be targeting. Mm-hmm. So shout out Tyler Green. We actually were sending each other selfies walking our, with our sons strapped to our chest the other day. So. <laughs> no. so, you know, my assumption is that you're going back to Black Canyon to punch a golden ticket to Western States to avenge that disappointment. Is is that accurate? Is that the express purpose of the trip to Arizona? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the A goal or the A purpose would be to leave with a golden ticket. Um, the B purpose would be to run like the race I know I'm capable of, whether that's a golden ticket or not. Right. So it's yep. like you can't control who comes to the race, who shows up that day and all that. But I'd say, yeah, in an ideal world, I leave with a ticket. But, you know, also in a semi-ideal world, I just leave being really stoked with where I'm at and stoked with my race. Yeah. Fantastic. So as we wind down, Keely, I'd love to talk about Trail Society a little bit with you, just to kind of get a little bit more of the behind the scenes for your fans out there. Sure. You guys are like a year and a half into it at this point, which is kind of crazy to think. That time has flown by and Trail Society was your idea, more or less. We should state, you know, equivocally <laughs> here on the front end. I'd love to hear you talk about just like what value that project has brought into your life and to your career as an athlete and and maybe what your goals are for going forward? Great, great question. I think, first of all, you gave me the confidence to create this thought and to build the team of Trail Society. So kudos might go to you. Um, But I would say, um, you know, some of the biggest things that I have gotten from trail society that I don't think I ever thought I would, um, are around community. I think the community we have built through trail society is really, really special. And I run into someone, you know, almost weekly who, who feels the need to introduce themselves and to comment on the podcast, which just feels really special. I don't think people know how far their words go because sometimes it can feel very insular, you know, recording these podcasts, you have no clue who listens. Like (laughs) you're like, I really hope that people like what we're putting out there, but to actually hear it from the community and to have people reaching out about ideas and about all sorts of stuff is like really cool. Um, And then I think the second thing is just learning from every, every avenue of it, whether it's learning about new people who we bring on to interview. So people in different communities than our own, um, or just learning from the other co-hosts, like we're all different people. We all bring different strengths to the table. And so I think we've also just learned a lot from each other and learned a lot about like teamwork and how to actually, you know, progress a a brand together. Yeah. Any projects in the pipeline that you want to tease for the audience here, (laughs) things that you're working on or excited about with the show specifically in 2023? Yeah. Um, I think we have just some phenomenal interviewees lined up for the foreseeable next couple of months. And then a really cool episode we're going to have again in the next couple of months. So 
February, March are going to be pretty, pretty sweet. Um, is going to be with myself and Dr. Pritchett. And we're actually going to leak out our latest study results um, after we get them accepted by a journal. So Fantastic. that'll be a really cool episode too. And that's like directly implicate, implicated to trail runners and fueling and all sorts of stuff. So that'll be a cool one too. And Dr. Kelly Pritchett is one part of the free trail crew <laughs> now, free trail experts. Exactly. So bringing mm-hmm. the conversation full circle. Well, cool. Yep. Well, I can't wait to tune in as usual. And Thanks for what you do for Free Trail, Keely. Thanks for all your work on this Free Trail Experts project. Thanks for what you do for the broader trail running community. And thanks for coming back on the pod. Yeah, thanks for what you do to the community too. Thanks so much. Thanks so much to Keely. She is amazing. So glad to have her part of the team now as the head coach of the Free Trail Experts. Again, go check out what we're working on especially if you're in the market for a little more guidance or leadership in your trail running journey. But even if you're not in the market for a coach, I'd love it if you at least went and looked at the website. It's beautiful. The link is in the show notes. A big shout out to Laura McCarley of Heartfire Creative, who built the entirety of freetrail.com from scratch, including the experts platform. She is amazing. Her work product is phenomenal. And like Keely, she is a joy to work with. Link in the show notes. Big thank you to our sponsor, Speedland. Run speedland.com. Grab your boy's signature shoe, the GS Tam. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your purchase. Gnarly Nutrition. Go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 to get 15% off the best nutrition products in the game. Best Day Brewing. Dry January is amazing. I might never drink again. And Best Day makes it so much easier. Best Daybrewing.com. Use code DRY20 for 20% off these delicious non-alcoholic beers. Hope you all have a wonderful week. Love you so much. See you very soon. Bye-bye.